Hi and welcome everyone to the 104th episode of CM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about Connector Bonanza. And with me today I have Heidi Newhouser from Reinhanced. Heidi Newhouser is a Microsoft MVP for business application and she is passionate about user adoption, out-of-box configuration tools, Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform and it shows in her every project she works on. She volunteers regularly in the CRMUD community. She serves as chair for the CRMUD Philadelphia chapter, speaks at CRM industry events for her best practices and provides webinar trainings for others in the CRM community. Welcome Heidi Newhauser. Thank you so much. It's a blast to be here with you. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm just fine. I'm the weather is getting a little bit more chilly here, so it's about 10-15 degrees in the morning, but then it usually warms up. Oh, it's much much hotter here in Pennsylvania today. <laughs> yeah. And of course I live I re- just realized now I live in Celsius, so I'm not sure what that's in Fahrenheit, but probably a lot warmer. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> We are customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? Oh, I have a great story for this. It actually happened yesterday. I had to rebook a flight on American Airlines, as I'm sure a lot of people have experienced. We had some canceled flights from the COVID pandemic, and I had some flight credits to redeem, actually to fly out for CRM User Group Summit later this fall. And I was able to rebook online using flight credits by looking up an e-ticket number for my canceled flight. I got through the entire process, hit confirm, and then I got an error that said it cannot process an error has occurred with your flight credit. Please contact our customer service department. So I had to call and speak with a person who had to manually apply a credit, place my call on hold, talk to the pricing department, get approval from a manager, manually readjust the pricing, put on hold again, and then process my payment over the phone. And it was a little frustrating, I think, just with the career that I have and what I do for a living to go through this process, which seemed to be automated and available on demand for a customer online. But it most certainly was not and required a lot of manual work. So when that happened, that error, you were like, oh, no, now I'm in big trouble. Yes. This this simple task, which should have taken five minutes, now required a 45-minute phone conversation with somebody. <laughs> yeah. 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 They need some good. automation in their lives. <laughs> yeah. So talking about automation, nice fake way. So... <laughs> In Power Automates, we have a lot of connectors. What would you say is a connector? Well, the Microsoft definition of a connector is it's a wrapper around an API that lets one service talk to Power Automate. But in simpler terms, a connector is really just letting two systems talk to each other without building a custom connection between different software. So it's almost like magic. It's pretty cool. So it's like BizTalk back in the day. Exactly. But now for the cloud and a whole lot of more connectors. Oh, yes. Many more. So we hit 500 now. How big is that for you? 500 is a lot. And actually, there was a really big week. So we're actually at 520 right now. So 520 
connectors available for anyone to use in Power Automate, which is pretty impressive. So you actually keep count of them? I do. I do. At at Reenhanced, which is run by my husband, Nick Hans, and I, we launched something called ConnectorReview.com. So like you mentioned, 500 is a big number. And it's wonderful to have so many choices as long as you can find what you're looking for. And I started Connector Review because I couldn't find what I was looking for. If you don't already work with a company, how are you supposed to know what each connector does? So I was starting for a use case. My specific use case was I needed to pick a new marketing automation vendor to integrate with my my Power Automate, and I didn't know who to pick. When I was at Microsoft Documentation, everything's just sorted by the connector name. So that's why Connector Review exists. Once you're there, you can click on any tag on the left-hand side, and then that sorts all of the connectors by any that meet that use case. So yes, I have gone through with the help of my husband and a couple other people at Reenhanced, we have tagged all 520 connectors. So everybody can understand what they do and what the use cases are. That's a massive undertaking. About how much time have you (laughs) dedicated to this project? Oh, a lot. You know, and this is one thing I can say COVID gave us the ability to do something like this. Like others, I'm sure times got a little bit lean, a little bit slow. Companies weren't really interested in spending money on Dynamics 365 and Power Platform implementations when they all of a sudden had to transition to this new work experience with their workforce. A lot of budgets freezed, and that freed up our time to kind of dive in and really integrate ourselves with Power Automate connectors. And it's been a really fun journey. Nice. So would you say there's a problem with a longer list? Is more choices always better? I like the long list of connectors. Again, as long as you're able to sort through and find what you're looking for. It's it's been really interesting when I've been tagging things to, to see where the holes are and where companies aren't. And I pointed out back more than a year ago that marketing automation is not in Power Automate. And I didn't understand why. Um, So it's really neat to see what's not there. And the longer the list gets, the shorter the list of shortcomings are, the shorter the holes are. And people kind of come in and fill those holes with wonderful options for you as a builder to kind of use and leverage in all the automations that you want to use at your organization. Would you say that there's still a hole for marketing automation? Or would you say that as it stands today, you're basically okay with it? I'm going to connectorreview.com right now. And I'm going to click on marketing automation. <laughs> all so right, right, now, right now, I have eight connectors that are tagged with marketing automation. And yeah. fun timing, this week, we saw our first independent publishers So some of those are in marketing automation, like HubSpot. So we've got some big names. We've got like Act and MailChimp, Marketo and HubSpot. We've got some smaller players here. But in terms of of how saturated marketing automation is with vendors in general, there's only eight of them in Power Automate. So I'd say there's still a hole there. (laughs) Yeah. So so let's come back to that independent uh, publishers later on then, because I want to talk a little bit about dynamic, because I come from a dynamics customer engagement or CRM background, and that started out with a 
Dynamics connector, and then it changes to a CDS connector and a common data service, and then a common data service current environment, and then they change name for those to do to Dataverse. <laughs> but the Dynamics connector is still there. I mean, does it count for you to still have it there? Yeah, this is an awesome question. There is a lot of confusion around those specific connectors. And yes, they do count as long as they're still listed in Microsoft connector documentation, we're still counting them because they'll work. So yes, there are many iterations. Dynamics 365 is deprecated, but if you have flows, they're still gonna run, but you should rebuild them using new Dataverse. And since you said your CRM background, so am I, it's really similar to transitioning your classic workflows from CRM or Dynamics 365 into Power Automate. You know you have to do it eventually, but they still work in classic workflows. So what you should do is build out the new ones and the newer version. And it's kind of the same thing with any any flows that you're creating and that you're building that tie to CRM. Now, you mentioned Dataverse Legacy and Dataverse, and this is where it gets really confusing. Dataverse Legacy is also deprecated, but there are still some things that you need to use Dataverse Legacy to do for everything else. You should use Dataverse, the newest connector, which is clear as mud, right? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'll give you... Yeah, clear as mud. <laughs> yes. The biggest use case for Dataverse legacy that I can think of that we do has to do with your user experience. So if you want your flow to show up in a model-driven app for your users to select, you have to use Dataverse legacy. It doesn't work today in Dataverse. And since we're both coming from the CRM, the Dynamics 365 world, this is akin to having your users select an on-demand workflow. So if you're looking for that sort of a customer experience, you want your users to select a flow and then select which one they want to run, you have to build that in Dataverse Legacy. It's painful right now, I know. I'm sure Microsoft will eventually merge that capability into the new version. But again, if you need that, you'll have to use Dataverse Legacy today. Yeah. And sometimes you just don't have an event that you can listen for because it's, well, when the user is ready, well, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so select the free records and then go to, to the menu and run it. And then you want to rerun it. And yeah, sometimes it, it just, the, the process just is like that and you have to do that. But I, I mean, this is the problem that I usually have when someone from Microsoft comes and say, oh, it's really easy to use Power Automate. You just do a little bit of that, this and a little bit of that and off you go. And I'm like, yeah, but there are nuances that you really have to know because mm-hmm. yeah, at, at the, you, it's really easy to get going. But sometimes there are these uh, corners that you or edges that you have to be aware of uh, that just just doesn't feel right when you look at it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I feel like Power Automate and building flows is where your citizen developer might not be able to do what they want to do, and you have to bring in your developer. I, for example, do not speak OData. I don't know how to OData query. So I can get a flow to a certain point. Um, I can understand what variables are and how I have to build them but it's like I don't speak that foreign language. So at a certain point, I do hand it off to someone with a developer mindset because they can 
kind of step in where I don't know how to do it. So I don't think Power Automate is for everybody. Certain scenarios are. It's really easy, for example, to set up an approval flow. That I can do just fine. But when I want to do more things with my Dynamics 365 data that's in Dataverse, maybe I want to filter on certain scenarios and I need to initialize some variables and set them up and use them at later on down parts of the flow, that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. Or you have this paging where you, well, you want to do a really big batch and it's more than 5,000 records and you just realize then I have to take care of that as well. Exactly. Yeah, there, there's quite a few use cases where you'll need that developer mindset. So what connectors would you say you use the most? We have a peer review approval process that we've implemented using Power Automate, and it's been really cool. So that's leveraging the approvals connector teams, Office 365. And when someone writes content on WordPress, which is where our blog is, is lives, we will submit it for approval by adding a link and some text in a Teams channel which then launches the approval process and approval is sent to the approval team. And once the first person approves it, we'll post it on WordPress. That's a really cool connector that we've used or a really cool flow that we've built using some really simple connectors. And I know it's a really simple one, but we use it all the time on a like two or three times a week. It's awesome. Um, additionally, like most companies, we have forms on our website. And we're utilizing those form submissions and some flows with Dataverse that push them in as leads. We have one form in particular that tends to get a lot of spam. So we've added approvals on top of that. So when the form is submitted through Gravity Forms, we launch an approval to spam check it. If somebody approves it as, yes, this is a valid lead, not spam, it pushes it into our Dynamics 365 system using the Dataverse connector. And then if it is spam, just it disappears. It goes away. Nobody needs that. Yeah. I have a blog as well for, for CRM Rocks and in comments are on and most of them are just crap. <laughs> Mine <laughs> so, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's it's a constant. Well, well, spam filters do, do a pretty good job, but sometimes there's uh, things coming through and you're like, yeah, that's not here. Not here. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, even if the process is simple, I like keep the simple, keep it simple mentality. So you always sort of think of how can we do this simpler and simpler, because that's often more user friendly and it leads to fewer errors, both from a user perfect perspective and like bugs in the code. So I like that. Mm -hmm. So do you use anything else like SharePoint? We don't have any internally in SharePoint, uh, but we, we have built two Microsoft certified connectors for WordPress users, one's for Gravity Forms and the other's for Contact Form 7. Uh, both of those connectors are form solutions for companies. And we've seen three really big use cases from our customers. The number one biggest is SharePoint, which kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting to see that. But what they're using it to do is move a file upload from WordPress to SharePoint. So that flow would generally use the Gravity Forms connector, SharePoint, and then leverage some of the built-in ones like HTTP and the control to kind of 
initialize different things and throw some conditionals in there. So that one is really neat. And again, I'm surprised how many organizations are using that. The, the second most popular one we see is, is one that we're using too, external lead processing, processing. So after a form is submitted, push it to a CRM system. And there's a lot of CRM systems. So I know we've been talking about Dynamics 365. There's obviously your Dataverse connector, but there's also Salesforce and Act and HubSpot's there now. And there's quite a few more. So it's not limited just to Dynamics 365, even though that's my personal favorite, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I have only used that one because if some customers say they want to use something else, I just I, I have to point it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so ha have you tried any of the connectors to Salesforce and Act? And are they any good like uh, the Dataverse connectors? They're all good connectors. There's no bad connectors in CRM. Now, there are some not well-built connectors, but every connector will kind of get you somewhere you need to be. There's actually 15 different CRM connectors today available in Power Automate. Um, and some of them are really, really impressive. Some of them are really niche market. So one just came out this week. It's called Blackboard Church Management. It is a phenomenal connector. They have 120 actions in their connector. So you can do like anything. And this is, I know it's oppressive. It's like, it's a very specific CRM for churches dealing with constituents and gifts and fundraising and things like that. So you have everything from something like that to a really, really simple one that might just have one trigger or one action. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, because I always thought that some of the perhaps lesser used connectors were a bit vanity connectors just that, that someone built just to check a box. Okay, we have a connector for this system, but no one can actually use it. But this sounds more like most of them are good connectors that you can do a lot of stuff with. Would you agree to that or the first like vanity? There are some vanity connectors. Yes. So we we kind of think about, because obviously we've gone through and instead of just tagging all these, if you go to connectorreview.com, you'll see that they're all rated from one to five stars. And I know that's subjective, but we tried to put some logic there. So our, our good connectors, we're looking for something that's independent of your business logic. It can be used for a number of different scenarios. Like we talked about earlier, simple is better and it's modular, it's replaceable. So you can understand a good connector without having to go to the documentation and read about it. On the flip side, we see some not so good ones which have a complicated connection set up. This should not be complicated. It should be easy to get started. Uh, a, co a connector that's not so good, doesn't provide actions or triggers for your anticipated needs based on what the software does. Maybe they have actions that are too broad. They require you to manage external applications inside a flow. It pretty much makes you feel like a programmer, but with worse tooling. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then our great connectors are like five-star connectors. They go, they meet all those kind of criteria for good connectors, but then they have external documentation. The documentation that comes with some of these connectors is impressive. Clear use cases, simple to understand why you would use this connector and how it can help your organization. Um, some of them have amazing support channels. So there should always be a way to contact someone if you're having trouble. And a lot of these companies don't. Um, and then sample flows, which kind of goes along with the, the documentation and the use cases. So we've done a lot of work on connectors and 
a good connector really can change the way an organization does business. It can really, really automate anything you need it to. Not so much a vanity one or a not so good connector. Yeah, I really liked your your description there of the bad connectors that makes you feel like a developer but with worse tooling. <laughs> so that was really a good one. So, so have you tried to use any of these bad connectors then in your mind? Uh, no, I haven't tried to use them. I like to to really give the great connectors a big shot and, and like to test drive those and see how much better they are. But that's a good point. I should test drive some of the painful ones. I just don't like the pain. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, so what would you say is is like a typical five-star connector? Is it just Microsoft products or is it external ones as well? Is there any pattern there? Oh, it's absolutely not just Microsoft. Uh, the Microsoft ones are good. Not all of them got five stars from us, but some of them did. Um, the great ones, they're all over the place. I mean, I think one of the clearest examples is in document generation and document signing. There are so many players that handle documents that I had to split up tags. We got separate tags for document conversion, Generation, management, merging, scanning, security, signing, storage. There's so many use cases in documents. And it becomes really clear the great connectors versus the not so great ones there. We tried to put some, <laughs> yeah. some thoughts around how to... It's hard when there's a lot of players. You can get really picky with saying who's better and who's worse based when there's so many right here. Like, I remember looking at Adobe Sign and I was blown away. I kind of expected something like DocuSign, which I think has a good brand recognition. We use it internally. Um, we thought that would be the big winner. And it kind of came up short on some of the things we were expecting to see. So it's fun to dive in and check it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I agree with you from just an outset. It, it, from my point of view, document side would like, we would be all over this because that's... <laughs> pretty much what they do adobe yeah they have other things they do mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah if you look at a, a connector that you would say are problematic would it be a good idea to open source them so if there's something that i as a developer or a customer is missing for something that i need that i would be able to contribute or at least list them as missing I think that would be wonderful. I don't have a problem with connectors being open source at all. I think it makes it simpler. Then you can just copy a connector, extend it in the ways that you need to. Maybe the additional triggers, actions, whatever you need is something somebody else needs. Um, I think it's a great idea. It kind of goes with all of the community-focused efforts that Microsoft's driving everybody to. I mean, leverage the community to enhance all of your connectors. I think it's great. Yeah, perhaps that's the reason behind it, some legal action that it's not really Microsoft that's doing some of the connectors, so they don't own the code, so hence they can't mm -hmm. really open source them, but the ones they did, at least. All right, yeah. so there's a new thing here in connectors. There's independent connectors. What, what's that? Yeah, I, I think this is really interesting. So this just happened a few weeks ago. There was an announcement from Natalie as a program manager at Microsoft that we're going to start independent publisher connector program. 
Um, and then we didn't see anything, but we're almost a month after that announcement. And we just saw the first five of these land earlier this week. So there are independent publishers now. So they haven't gone through the full Microsoft certification like the other ones, but they're still tested, developed and supported. They're, they're safe to use. They're just not official connectors for the company themselves. Somebody built them for the company. Um, so when you add an independent connector to your flow, you're going to see a lot of disclaimers. And I have a screenshot up here because I wanted to read that in case you brought it up. So it specifically tells you independent publisher connectors are provided as is without warranty and are not supported by Microsoft or the underlying service behind the connector. Only create a connection to an independent publisher contractor if you trust the publisher and source as the independent publisher connector could introduce security or privacy risk. So uh. they're cool, but I think some companies that are more regulated in these potential security and privacy risks might not be able to leverage them like they could with a connector that's gone through the very rigorous Microsoft certification program to become one of their certified connectors. Do you feel that these poses a problem then or an opportunity? Both. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In what way anybody, is it a problem? Yeah, I mean, anybody can make them. So you don't know, like re-enhanced is not Gravity Forms, for example. So we are the official connector for Gravity Forms. But in order to do that, we've entered and agreed to some legal contracts with both Gravity Forms and Microsoft. We've gone through rigorous testing to be able to offer this connector using the Gravity Forms API and providing it to Microsoft customers through Power Automate. And that process, I mean, just going through it from the back end here, from someone who's developed it and created it and then published it is very rigorous. And I can say with absolute certainty, all of your certified connectors are extremely well tested and vetted. Um, it sounds like the independent publisher connectors don't go through that same process. So, maybe a little bit of risk entry there but also you can see so many more organizations and so many more software platforms being added here i think i mentioned earlier hubspot's one of them and i thought that was great because hubspot hasn't built one and i know a lot of people use hubspot for things in their marketing so that's going to be great there's also one that was added for jira again that's a big hole there isn't much in issues tracking like it ticket that's a really cool thing to add into a flow. So just take a look in the documentation about who's building your connectors. And again, make sure you trust them. And then it should be great. Yeah. How's that for a non-answer? Be <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I'm just impressed that they take so much effort in making sure that the certified connectors are supportable. So it's not mm -hmm. just something that they brush through and then just, oh, well, someone would test it eventually that meaning some customer, but they actually do do it in a structured and managed way. Um, and the independent connectors, well, for me, it's, yeah, perhaps it's, like you say, both an opportunity and a, a threat. I mean, you're not sure what they do, right? It could be that someone introduced something, send, it, send the data some other third-party way, but hopefully the, the scrutiny built into the process there, make sure that it doesn't do that. Right. 
Yeah, and they still have to provide documentation. So you can dive into the documentation, learn more about it, um, and see if it's a good fit for you too. Yeah. That said, I'm certain Reenhanced is going to be building some of these independent ones too. So they they can certainly be a great opportunity because you're no longer responsible for getting legal to sign off, like with HubSpot to say, yes, I can create this connector for you. Yes, I can use your API. You can just use it and build something that's gonna add immediate value to your customers. So that's cool. Too. Yeah, I, I'm just worried that they're going to be like 25 HubSpot connectors. Uh, yeah, there yeah. were three of them added, but they're all slightly different. Um, so that's a question I have too. I'll be interested to see how they manage it. What happens when HubSpot decides they want their own certified connector? Does that take away the independent connector or do they exist in parallel? That'll be fun to see. <laughs> Could you have like an independent connector that you pay premium to a third party to use to HubSpot? Is that okay from PowerUp's point of view? I think it is. And I, I don't know that. I'll have to look that up they're because they're new. Then they that's just a business landed. opportunity, right? If mm -hmm. you're an independent service vendor and you built this for a business, then this could be, well, we see an opportunity here. Power Automate haven't or Microsoft and this other business haven't done it. So we're yep. going to do it. We we can probably do this with good quality and then someone pays us for using it. Yeah, I'm I'm certain you can do that. And the the HubSpot ones, I know we're picking on that, but that's just because that's who joined. It's HubSpot and Jira. Yeah. So HubSpot was built by Hitachi, which is a very good Microsoft Dynamics 365 partner. So I would trust yeah. these. But you know, take a look at who's behind them. You'll see it in the Microsoft documentation. You're going to know who built this and you can see if it's just a person or a company and kind of look in and learn more about them just to make sure it doesn't introduce any unnecessary risk at your company. Yeah. So if it's Joe's cheap connectors, then well. <laughs> well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> yeah. So so if you're designing Cloudflows, like not just the connector part, if you're doing a process here, are you starting from a making a new? Do you usually look for a template that sort of has what you need, or you basically just always start from a blank? I think templates are excellent, especially if you're just getting started with Power Automate. I, I had a blog series recently that was targeted at Dynamics 365 system administrators who need to learn Power Automate, who need to rewrite those classic workflows in Power Automate, because I think that's difficult. Right, We speak a language in Dynamics 365. We know our classic workflows and we don't know what to do there. And my first piece of advice to anyone in that scenario is to look at templates because you're going to learn very quickly how these flows are built by looking at the examples that are here. So searching for templates is simple. You go to the URL that Microsoft has where they're all listed and search for your use case and they can pop up. They're also sorted by the most popular. So if you want to see what other people are using, maybe you want to look for something in Teams. You can enter the Teams connector and see the templates that are there. Um, I love templates. I think they're wonderful. And I actually just submitted templates for our connectors today because it was something we've been missing on ours that I'm envious when I see other organizations with these fantastic templates. So yes, I will use a template anytime I can 
it saves time, it gets you started, and it's a good way to stick your toe in the water of building a flow in Power Automate if you're from that classic CRM environment first. Good one. And of course, if you're just brand new to the Power Platform, not sure what Power Automate is, just mm-hmm. go there and look for it. And perhaps it is like this, well, I want a notification when my boss sends me an email. So I turn off all the email notification and just have this flow uh, app instead just ping me when yeah, my boss sends me. That could be great, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that does exist, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorites. I, I always use them as a demo because, well, it, it could be really useful and hilarious. Yes, get a push notification when you receive an email from your boss. There are 467,000 people using that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of the popular ones. That, oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so would you say that, okay, going back to connectors here then, the Dataverse part, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about sometimes when I look at this, I want to list some things and I see the options there. And it's, it looks like sort of the, like the very developer things that you can do. You can do selectors, these columns, these expands. And I mean, you said before that sometimes it is like a developer and sometimes it is like this power user. How would you say that these scenarios fit in here? Yeah, this is this is learning that different language. I had a hard time transitioning over to the Microsoft Dataverse connector myself because this isn't how I think about this from CRM, right? Like when a row is added, modified or deleted, these are a little more complicated. And this one is written in OData. It has OData filtering and OData query. So to build some sophisticated flows with Dataverse, you might need some help getting started. But the trigger that you're going to use most is when a row is added, modified, or deleted. That's the same as in your classic workflow. If you're looking for a conditional and you want any time new data or anytime there's a new record or anytime a record is updated or anytime a record is deleted, then trigger this. So they're just grouping multiple options into one trigger here. And when you select that trigger, you're going to define what it's going to be. So it's not going to pull all these things, but the wording is complicated. It's using like table-based information or table words and rows. And they're looking more at like a database terminology instead of a, a system administrator, which is different than how they've done it in the past using the classic workflow and things like that. So Yes, I don't even know if I answered your question. I'm just rambling about this triggers and actions at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they changed the wordings on the triggers, right? Because it used yeah. to be create, update, delete, right? And now it's mm-hmm. added, modified, and deleted, right? Yeah, and the, if you take a look at what the definition is kind of after each of the actions and triggers, it'll give you more information. But the actual action itself and the trigger itself is complicated. Like perform a bound action. I have no idea what that means. I'd have to look <laughs> in and see what that is. Like what's a bound action versus a perform a change set request or an unbound action. This probably sounds really easy for you, Marcus, because you said you're a developer. So you know exactly what that yeah. means. But I'm this a system is my admin. Area. So this is yeah. So, so the bound action, I would guess the top of my head, it's like when you want to do these special things that you want to convert and 
opportunity or lead to an opportunity. So you want to qualify something. Mm-hmm. So that's an that's a button and a small process in the Dynamics interface. And if you want to do that using the this automation, then you need to supply that special information. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is why you need a developer friend to just ping and be like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do on the business perspective. Here are my actions. Which one should I be using? (laughs) And this is why it's great to share your flows with somebody else too. And always, always, always test your flows in your sandbox before you go live with them. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Always test it. (laughs) Do you use solutions a lot? We do use solutions a lot. Yes. Um, we try to bundle all of our changes into a solution. Now, <laughs> when we're talking about flows and Power Automate, that gets a little complicated when a, when you put a flow into a solution, it kind of lives there forever. Um, I hope that process gets better. Maybe it is now. I haven't done it in a little bit. But we tend to create a solution for all of our flows to live in. So if we need to modify or change one, it's easy to find them instead of digging into each of your solution files that you might have in your environment. Yeah, yeah, that that's always a problem to find it. Have you tested desktop flows? I personally have not tested desktop flows, but my husband and business partner has. Uh, we have a shared interest in local real estate. And when desktop flows were first launched, he started automating a process to collect every real estate line item from every county website and having each listing inserted into an Excel file. Because I don't know about where you live, but for us, they were separate tabs on the internet and it would just be highlight this row, copy, paste. Everything was repetitive. Everything was manual. So it was really cool to watch it run. He actually made a YouTube video about it. You can find it at the Reenhanced YouTube channel. But since then, we've worked with a couple companies to help them implement desktop flows to automate a very manual, repetitive task process that they have. And and they're really neat. And Nick is a desktop flow wizard. So if you ever want to set up a podcast about that, I can introduce the two of you. Um, But desktop flows are really, really interesting. And I think it's phenomenal what you can do. I feel a little bad (laughs) implementing desktop flows Or I guess it's like a little guilty conscience here where you're essentially replacing manual tasks for a person. And I like to think that they give this person a better job than the manual tasks that they do. But you can really put some people out of work with desktop flows. Hopefully, again, they just get reallocated to cooler jobs. But it is what it is. Because have you ever gone down your and ended your to-do list ever? No, you're right. Yeah, and nobody really wants to sit on a computer like copying something from one line and pasting it into an Excel spreadsheet and doing that for hours at a time. That just doesn't sound fun. Why not leverage technology to do it for you? (laughs) Yeah, so I just think that, well, all the boring stuff gets automated and people get more interesting jobs uh, and and more valuable job, creating value instead of just repeat these things so someone else can bring value to the customer. Now, thank you. Yes, so desktop flows bring happiness everywhere to everybody. (laughs) So that's probably your recommendation for a future guest then. I like that. Yeah, if you want to dive into desktop flows, he's really good at it and he really likes it. Yeah. We've worked with two people now to help them implement things. And it's really interesting. It's mostly small business owners 
that are, are doing a very manual, repetitive thing. That's always the use case for desktop flow. Like I need to log in every day. Somebody was managing, I think, like seven or eight different like ERP systems or finance systems, and they had to copy oh, out the oh. same line of information every Friday and put it into a spreadsheet to share with management. And this flow took like, I don't know, four or five hours to build. And now we've freed up this man's time. We've given him like 10 to 15 hours back every single week where he can go be productive and run his business. So that's been really fun to watch. Yeah. And and these are the easy wins that you want to. So mm -hmm. yeah, good work, good work. <laughs> I've watched some of your YouTube videos and I really like your demoing style where you showed off the new model-driven app experience where you sort of build your model-driven apps on YouTube. So I really recommend everyone to go look up Heidi Newhouser on YouTube and subscribe there and, and look at your videos because that one was really good. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really like the model-driven app stuff. That's I'm one of my passions because model-driven apps can really enhance user adoption of Dynamics 365 or anything that you're going to build a power app for. Yeah, so so the link will be in the show notes so everyone can find your YouTube video or just search for Heidi Newhouser and uh, yeah, they will probably find you there. So if I want to know more about power apps, connectors, something like that, where where should I go? You can check out connectorreview.com if you want to see the connectors. Again, that's organized by use case. Um, it'll have a link to Microsoft documentation. It also has a blog review. We've written a blog, a video. Oh, that's coming soon. Spoiler alert. You're getting videos soon. I started doing some <laughs> video reviews, which is fun. Um, it also has that star rating one to five. And if we missed a tag and you're using something, you can add a tag there too. So hopefully we can get more stuff there. Also, you've got the Microsoft documentation, which is great. Connector review is not a replacement for Microsoft documentation. So you can check out flow.microsoft.com and dive into the connectors there. If you need use cases, then you can switch over to connector review and use them in parallel. Yeah, nice one. Uh, do you have any public speaking schedule? I do. I have two coming up. So I'm speaking virtually at DynamicsCon on September 21st, I believe. And that's going to be about the Power Automate Maker Portal and the Dynamics 365 Classic Solution Designer. That's a free online conference, and it'll be from September 20th to 23rd. And then I'm really excited after all of this time with COVID, I'm going to be speaking at an in-person event in October, which is going to be great. So it's going to be wait, User Group wait. Summit. I know. I get to see people in person. I almost forget how to do this in person. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll be at the User Group Summit North America, which is going to be in Houston, Texas. And that's October 12th to 15th. I have three sessions that I'll be speaking at there. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really impressed because I've never even done that once. So, yeah, I mean, oh, I have you audio, do... audio only. You... So, yeah, <laughs> you would <laughs> that's be good great. For... <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll see. We'll see somebody. So you already recommended someone for a future guest on this podcast. So we will be sure to add the introductions afterwards. Um, do you have any links to self-promotion then? Oh, yeah. you can. My website is crmheidi.com. 
obviously I'm from the traditional CRM world. Uh, I've got my YouTube channel, which I think you said you'll put in there because yeah. I don't know my URL. I haven't got enough followers yet to have a fancy vanity URL. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I'm also CRM Heidi, or you can email me Heidi at reenhanced.com. All right, then. Thank you, Heidi Newhauser, for her participation in CRM Rocks. Thank you so much. It was so much fun to be here today and talk to you about Connector Bonanza. And thanks to your listening. And don't forget, you can comment on CRMRocks.com or just subscribe to any podcast player. Just search for CRM Rocks and you'll find it right there. See you next time on CRM Rocks.